welcome to the BISA Portfolio Podcast. On the inaugural episode of Portfolio Podcast, we will be discussing political and legislative issues that will affect financial services over the next year. With the November 6th elections right around the corner, now is a great time to get a Washington update from political affairs expert Andy Friedman. Named one of the nation's most sought-after speakers on all things political by CNBC, Andy is known for predicting the outcomes of Washington deliberations and providing investors with strategies to consider in light of the changing political landscape. Andy Friedman was a senior partner with the law firm of Covington and Burling in Washington, D.C., where he practiced for almost 30 years, serving as head of the tax and corporate groups. Andy also served as tax counsel for the MLB, NFL, NBA, and NHL. Post-election, Andy will be speaking at the BISA Regulatory and Compliance Summit November 14th through 15th at the Fairmont in Washington, D.C. Be sure to catch his perspectives on the election results there. Today's episode is moderated by BISA's freelance writer, Rich Blake. With over 25 years of financial services industry journalism experience, he has held positions as senior editor of Institutional Investor, contributing editor for ABC News, and executive editor of Trader Monthly. He is currently a special projects consultant for pensions and investments. Today, you can expect to get an overview of the political environment, prospective legislation, and what has changed since last year. Enjoy our first episode of the BISA Portfolio Podcast. Well, Andy, thanks for making time today. Uh, We're really looking forward to hearing your address at next month's BISA event. Let's dive right in. Um, Midterms in 19 days. Can you give us some predictions? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a little analysis, at least, uh, given that uh, that the meeting we're going to be having is after the midterms. Uh, in the Senate, uh, well, first of all, you have to start with the assumption, of course, that the party in power uh, almost invariably loses seats in the midterm election. So you're going in, you have to expect Republicans are going to lose some seats. In order to take over the Senate, they need to pick up two seats. So you might say, well, off your election, two seats, that's easy. Let's talk about the House. Uh, but it's not so easy here. Uh, and the reason is that the senators running for re-election this time were elected last time in 2012, mostly on Obama's coattails. It was a big year for the Democrats that year. And many of them are running from Republican-leaning states. So we have 35 senators up for election, 26 are Democrats trying to hang on to their seat, and 10 of those 26 are running from states that voted for President Trump in 2016. So for the Democrats to take over the Senate, they have to win the 10 pro-Trump states, the 16 other states where they're running as incumbents, and pick up two seats. And that's tough. That's a a lot to expect. So I think, you know, if the election were held today, one would have to say Republicans keep the Senate. Now, you know, let's be clear, a lot can happen in the last two weeks before an election, as we saw in 2016. So something could completely upset this uh, this thought that I'm giving. But again, if it were today, I just think the hill to climb is too steep for the Democrats. Uh, in the House, before you can analyze the House, you have to take into account gerrymandering, which, as you know, is the process whereby after each census, states set the borders of their congressional districts. And whatever party's running the states, tries to make as many of the districts uh, as favorable to that party as possible. So in 2010, like now, the Republicans held uh, the bulk of the state uh, legislatures and governorships. So 
uh, most of the time you had Republicans setting the boundaries of districts, and that meant that they set them in a way to favor the Republicans. You know, you get these crazy shaped districts with like two heads and three legs and tentacles. So that meant that the Republicans uh, have an advantage here because they're running from Republican leaning districts. Um, notwithstanding that, of course, it is possible for the Democrats to overcome that. Uh, and so I think that if you look at the academic studies, basically they say that in the generic polls, those are the polls that say, would you rather have a Democrat or Republican Congress without referring to any particular people to overcome gerrymandering? The Democrats have to be up in those polls uh, by 7% or another study would say 11%. So if you see uh, polls that say, oh, we'd rather have a Democratic Congress, uh, 4% of the people more say that, that's not going to be enough to overcome gerrymandering. It means the Republicans will still hold the House. If the polls say, no, uh, Democrats are up uh, by a 12, 13%, well, that means the House is probably going to flip. Most of the polls now suggest that Democrats are up more than the 7% or even the 11% needed to overcome gerrymandering. Again, that can change. They're up and down. But the drumbeat of those polls seem to suggest that Democrats will take over the House. Uh, you'll want to keep watching those polls uh, because those are going to give us the indication of where that's going. So anyway, as of today... I would see a, um, a Democratic House, a Republican Senate, and of course, a Republican White House. And the consequences of that are varied. And there's something that uh, we can touch on, but I think uh, will be interesting for people who come to the meeting, because there are a lot of repercussions from that kind of split government. Oh, that's very interesting. I, I wanted to ask you about uh, just broadly, generally, financial services regulation. Mm -hmm. um, and in the scenario, if it unfolds as you describe, what will that mean for uh, some of those initiatives such as uh, regulation best interest? Okay, well, most of those regulations are outside, as you know, the scope of Congress. So I think with a mixed Congress, uh, you're not going to get much from the Hill that affects that. But you still, as you pointed out, have the regulatory agencies, uh, which really outside, operate outside Congress unless Congress intervenes. So there's a couple things going on here, and you, you nailed it. Uh, you have the SEC best interest standard, which I think is going to be formally proposed probably the beginning of next year. And that is a much more workable standard for the industry than we saw with the DOL standard. It essentially says that advisors must act in the best interests of their clients, uh, but it doesn't impose a full fiduciary standard. So it's somewhere between the current suitability standard and the fiduciary standard. And as I say, there's some tweaks that the industry would like. Uh, they're reasonably important. But generally, it's a standard I think the industry could live with and probably the best they can expect. Um, and I think that the SEC is, uh, is determined to move forward with that. Uh, but we're now starting to hear drumbeats, or maybe I should say and we're starting to hear drumbeats, the mm -hmm. DOL may repropose something. Uh, it won't be what they had before, but it might be something. And my guess is that the reason it's taking the SEC a little longer than we might thought is my guess is that the SEC and DOL are conferring and that uh, they may come out with something one would hope in line with what the SEC is doing, but maybe covers both of them. Remember, the DOL only covers IRAs, uh, whereas the SEC covers everything. The other thing to keep in mind is that some of the states are starting to fill in uh, when DOL is no longer relevant. So we see New York, yesterday New Jersey, 
uh, others uh, saying, okay, well, if the federal government's not going to impose a fiduciary standard, we're going to do that at the state level. So it's fluid. Uh, there's a lot uh, of different moving parts. Uh, but I think as we focus on the SEC, that's, that's pretty good news for the industry. Now, uh, what other issues will you be touching on when you uh, uh, give your address next month? Well, as I mentioned, uh, I'm going to talk a lot about what we can expect post-election, what, what's going to go on in the House and in the Senate together and separately, uh, what, what, where do they agree, where do they disagree but might compromise, where are they not even going to compromise. So I want to take a lot of time on that because that's, that's important for our industry. Um, I want to take a little time on legislation we can expect. Uh, we have things like Tax Reform 2.0. We have uh, the Retirement Enhancement and Savings Act, which is very important for our industry and what those would do and what the opportunities for passage are there. Uh, I may even delve into, or not even delve into, touch on a couple of aspects of last year's tax law that are nuances that people haven't realized that have particular importance for the attendees at this meeting. So I may touch on one or two of those, uh, nothing really in depth. Um, and then I'd like also to talk about the whole tariff initiative and the president's uh, uh, imposition of tariffs, what that means, why he's doing it, how that affects uh, the attendees and, and Americans in general. Uh, and then what I like to do at the end is kind of tie all that together uh, to talk about, okay, what does this mean for the markets? What does it mean for the economy? What does it mean for government borrowing and the fiscal situation? Uh, and, and ultimately, what does it mean for uh, the people in, the ten in attendance and the people they work with? Yeah, well, the, the, in the financial advisory sector, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of granular stuff, and I think you're going to be covering uh, a, a lot of ground there. But there's also the, 40, the view from 40,000 feet uh, the macro picture. Can you talk about, you know, maybe how the political and regulatory landscape, or even geo the geopolitical uh, scenarios bubbling up around the world? How how has the world, from the forty thousand foot view, changed since your last B BISA speech last November? Well, first of all, the biggest is, of course, we have a new tax law uh, that, uh, in the space of fifty days, was just kind of beginning then. Uh, rewrote the tax law, and that has uh, implications that we're still trying to ferret out uh, and understand. So we have that. We also have this, as I mentioned, this whole tariff initiative. You know, I had said since Trump was elected, be careful of tariffs. It's something on his agenda. People kind of ignored that and pushed it aside, and then bam, uh, earlier in the year, it started becoming a really big deal. And uh, Every day we're hearing about new tariffs and the caused tremendous volatility in the market for a few months until the market kind of said, ah, you know what, there's too much going on here. Let's just see how the story ends. But if the story ends with a 25% tariff on Chinese goods, which is what we're being threatened with, well, that's going to affect the markets. That's going to affect the economy. That's going to affect the pocketbooks of ordinary Americans. So that has changed and I think really does require not just understanding, but making some predictions about what the Chinese are likely to do about that and what does it mean for us. Uh, what else has changed? Well, last March, um, the Congress kind of surprisingly decided to spend another $500 billion this year. Uh, it's the biggest increase in federal spending since the Recovery Act uh, right after Obama took office. Uh, and that has wide ranging implications on government financing and interest rates. You know, you combine that 
with the fact that the tax law left lost revenue for the government and the baby boomers are aging. So Social Security, Medicare spending is going up and you kind of have a perfect storm for some uh, upheaval at the fiscal level. And, mm -hmm. you know, what that means, uh, you know, we want to talk through, but it's changed from when we had it last year when we weren't worried about losing tax revenue, when we weren't worried about additional spending. Now all those have come to pass. Uh, so those are some of the things that have changed, uh, and I'm sure there'll be others by the time we get to the meeting, not to mention the uh, makeup of Congress. Yes, yes. Um, uh, monetary tightening and the uh, idea yes. of, of rates going higher, certainly uh, a hot topic now that might not have been last time around. And, and if they normalize, the, the interest costs uh, are, are going to escalate. Sir, you know, you were talking about a scenario in which the the Democrats flip the House and the Republicans keep the Senate. Yep. In that scenario, can you talk about some specific things that could come out of the House in terms of financial regulation implications for the industry? Yeah, I, th I think that, you know, a lot of the Republicans, uh, the Republican supporters are saying, well, all right, we might lose the House, but we're going to keep the Senate. We're going to keep the presidency. So things aren't going to be too bad. I mean, the House can't really do anything. And that's certainly true about passing laws. Uh, but what the House can do uh, is hold hearings uh, and investigations. And uh, if the Democrats flip the House, uh, then I think there will be more uh, uh, investigations into the Trump administration than we saw, obviously, with the Republicans running the House. And that does have implications on how much time the administration has to spend uh, with that versus what it's trying to do. So uh, we'll go into a lot more detail at the meeting as to what, what they might do and what that means. Uh, but I think that's kind of a high-level view of what we might be able to expect. Well, thank you for your time. And we're looking forward to hearing more from you after the midterm elections at the BISA event in November. Um, thanks a lot. Uh, this, so this was, was great. fun. Thanks for having me. That's all the time we have on today's BISA Portfolio Podcast. Andy Friedman and other political finance experts will be offering their insights at the BISA Regulatory and Compliance Summit on November 14th through 15th. This event is invite only. Find more information on the BISA website.